0: Welcome to Her Stories, a series of podcasts showcasing the diverse expertise, wisdom and courage of the members of the Mediterranean Women Mediators Network, presented by peace activist Magda Zenon. In each episode, recorded during the coronavirus social isolation period, a different mediator shares her story. Hello. No, this is Magda. Today, on her stories, we speak with Aisha Betül Çelik to her friends Betül. Betül is a professor at Sabancı University in Istanbul and an expert on intergroup dialogue. Welcome, Betül.
1: Thank you, Magda, for inviting me for this nice project.
0: Betül, the time has come for us to try and push the woman forward because we've got some awesome woman, peacebuilders as we see it now with the circumstances we're living in and before it's time to make sure they get the recognition and they contribute to bringing out a better world because we really need the help. Um, Betul, introduce me to Betul. Who is Betul and how did she become a peace builder?
1: Well, uh, maybe I should tell you the story of uh, how I became who I am. Uh, I come from an upper middle class Turkish family and uh, have been brought up rather conservatively. I went to a good high school and a prestigious university. And the years that I was in high school and university were the most troublesome times of Turkey. Those were nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties, which I personally was not aware of because I was living in a uh, I was mm-hmm. living a privileged life in Turkey. Uh, I only became aware of this when I went to the U.S. for my Ph.D. I had a Ph.D. in political science from uh, State University of New York in Binghamton. And I went there to actually to study uh, elections, public opinion. And it was in one of my classes uh, where I started uh, working on ethnic issues. Okay. Uh, well, uh, especially striking was discovering my unquestioned nationalist beliefs taught to us uh, for many years in schools. And I remember one day I was telling an Indian friend uh, how in school I, tol- uh, I was told, uh, we were told uh, by showing a map of Central Asia that all civilizations originated from there, implying that, that the whole world was Turkish. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that was an old theory back in the 1930s, and I didn't believe it. But it was a shock to learn that Indians also had similar maps showing India as the center of all civilizations. And that was the moment when I realized the necessity to question the concepts, ideas, everything that are given to us as recipes, as pills. And that is why I encourage my students to go abroad and take a look at themselves, their surroundings to better make sense of the world around them. Uh, so that's, uh, how, that's how my journey t- to being myself started, actually. Uh, and uh, I, as I told you, uh, I went to the U.S. for my study. Mm. But uh, before I went to, uh, to have my Ph.D. in my last year in, uh, in Boazic University, I had internship in the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees.
0: Oh, that must have been an experience.
1: <laughs> it was. And it was just after the first Gulf War. Okay. When there were many Kurds running from Saddam's oppression. And there were also Iranian refugees who were mostly prosecuted because of their ethnic and religious identities. Uh, seeing such oppression, discrimination, and violence, uh, it was the first time um, I started questioning such concepts as, as nation, nation state, state extract, etc. Uh, and after taking one step back and looking myself and my country from a distance, that I started making sense of myself. Uh, in the U.S. and the things that I never fully un- understood when interning in the UNHCR came back to me as academic questions, okay. and that, that is what, how, how I started working on the Kurdish issue.
0: Okay, I think the, I think the thing that needs to be understood that very few people are born peacebuilders. It's actually a journey. It's actually an experience. It's actually something that suddenly slaps you in the face that. What you see needs to be questioned. What exactly. you were taught is not the whole truth. It's possibly someone else's truth and a combination of truth. So I think we need to understand that peacebuilding, I'm have. i not a peacebuilder and it's over. Every day you learn something new. Every time you learn a new technique or a new perception that either fine-tunes what you know or changes what you know. Because not everything I know is wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. You just need like- to
0: sift it out.
1: And that's true for feminist movement too. you, know, you always have to uh, learn to question your privileged lives, that the concepts, the things that are told to you. I think the most for me, the most important thing in life is to learn to question. Absolutely, it's only through that questioning that you start uh, having a better understanding of not only who you are, but who the others are too. <laughs> Exactly. You also
0: learn of, um, it teaches you where you fit in the world, okay, because privilege, even when you become a peace builder and the journey carries on, you also don't realize that you bring with you certain privileges that are inbuilt. Mm -hmm. I assume that by being a feminist, I understand what it means to be a a woman of color, Mm -hmm. but I don't because Mm -hmm. I'm white. Okay, so just understanding feminism as a white woman doesn't qualify me to understand what it means to be to be discriminated against as a woman of color. I'm discriminated against as a woman, but a white woman, which brings with it privileges. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's a continuous unpacking of um, the things we are taught and we understand and we're passionate about.
1: And that's why I believe in uh, the necessity of contact too. Mm. and. Uh, like, it's it's striking that you brought up this uh, race issue, too. In the United States, I had, basically, uh, most of my friends were from um, uh, underprivileged privileged families. Uh, and uh, I had some black people, uh, black friends, and they were also telling me this, that, that I would never understand uh, what it means to be a black person in the US. Mm. But. For me, understanding is not like feeling it. It's different than that. I I, I think I started to understand how they feel, even though I, I did not experience it as a white person, not in the real white sense yes. in the US. <laughs> but still, I seeing them suffer and talking to them and trying to understand what it means to them that I, I think I developed this understanding of uh, of all the violence, not only physical, but psychological, sociological, economic. economic. Exactly, uh, too. So for me, understanding is way deeper than, uh, way deeper than experiencing it. Yes, yeah, of course experience is 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 different. But uh, my, I think my whole whole life academically. And then my uh, activist uh, role uh, was shaped on this concept of understanding. And how do we understand uh, the people that are uh, presented us as
0: other? Yes, I agree. And you also also you also have to, and even having a bit of empathy adds to your understanding, but still doesn't give you the full picture. It certainly gives you a better picture. Exactly, a better picture yes. of the of the other. I mean, I'm. The perfect example. I grew up in apartheid South Africa, <laughs> so the other was a big picture. And anyway, mine's another story. Mm-hmm. You do you um. You are a founding member of the Mediterranean Woman Mediators Turkish Antenna, okay? Yes. Um, and you've been you were the second antenna that opened, and you've been quite active. Tell me what the network has brought to you. As Betul and what the network has actually brought to what you can do within Turkey itself, because Turkey has a variety of issues like we all do, all countries mm-hmm. do. But how has it helped you as a a group of women in mm-hmm. Turkey?
1: Maybe I should continue from where I left. You know, all my work until I came to Turkey was academic, basically. But my part- active participation the women's groups and peace formations were after I returned to Turkey and started working in my university. And since I was researching on internal displaced Kurds, I found myself also uh, writing policy papers and recommendations to improve their lives, and then join organizations asking for peace in Turkey. And I've been to many groups, uh, formal informal groups in Turkey, uh, working on peace. And as one can imagine, after a while, I realized that these groups are composed of the same people. Uh, yet surprisingly, if they did not work, have worked together in the past, they knew little about each other. I mean, in the real sense, you know. Uh, and I always believe that peace goes through getting to know a person. And yes. uh, one of my and one of my uh, favorite writer of short stories, maybe you know him, uh, said, "Everything starts by loving uh, somebody." And how can you even like a person? a person who is taught to you as an outsider and other mm. without knowing her, or vice versa, why would you hate her if you don't know her? Uh, when uh, Mediterranean Women Mediators Network uh, gave us uh, the opportunity to work as a group. The first thing I, I wanted to do was to bring together women with different ideological, ethnic, sectarian background to get to know each other, so that we would listen to each other without prejudices. So for me, to work together mean first to know each other in the real sense. Uh, because the the peace gatherings that I've been to before, formal or informal, were all about like, let's choose a topic, talk about it for like three hours and then- Leave. Dissolve, yeah, leave. <laughs> <laughs> so I really want to form this strong uh, sense of uh, solidarity uh, so that uh, even though like, I and you disagree, we would know that you don't mean it in the bad way. Yes. Whatever you say, I know why you say it that way, even though I don't believe what you say. Or, you have...
0: or at least I know, I understand where it's coming from. Because exactly. I know you better.
1: Exactly. So that's what I wanted to, uh, to do. And uh, I'll talk about uh, education uh, trainings we do too but uh, we had uh, 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 also these uh, groupings that we did together. And these meetings taught me a lot. The first and, and the most important thing was the necessity to change one's language. Uh, I mean, uh, the, t- the terms that mm. irritate us. Uh, as the a person, trigger words.
0: I, Could it get rid of the trigger words? As we... Exactly.
1: <laughs> or uh, hot buttons, right? Yes. As conflict resolution people would say. Uh, And uh, for example, uh, I learned from a Kurdish friend that the names of the Kurdish-dominated regions in Turkey are labeled as eastern and southeastern Anatolia, uh, whereas there is no other region in Turkey with names uh, stating direction. Like we have Marmara, Karadeniz, and so on, but it's only the south of the Turks, east of the Turks that they're named after, you know? So that also was like... Questioning these privileged positions, uh, so you know I would never question it. Like, oh, this is a name. You know, why would it bother somebody? But when you really understand that person's story, we had storytelling too in our group. So we told us each other's our stories. We found our commonalities, differences. Like one person, two people ex- having experienced similar things, would end up working for different political parties, for example. Mm. So uh, that was a great, great uh, teaching for me. I still learn from these people. So well, that's one of the things that we do. Uh, because if and when the peace process in Turkey re- restarts, then we would have a better understanding of each other and develop a common understanding uh, for peace.
0: We will also develop a common um Uh, language for peace because what you said about trigger words or hot buttons when you start a conversation and you're already starting with the hot buttons you've lost the you've lost the plot you've actually got to use the right words Mm -hmm. to start the process in addition to understanding who you're speaking with or where they're coming from tell Mm -hmm. me you've done a lot of work with the Kurdish communities you've done a lot of with NGOs Mm -hmm. at track two level Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little that's, bit of... That's true. Because I think uh, I think sorry. Well, uh I I'm sorry, because I think what is often underestimated is everyone assumes that a peace process is just track 1. And they forget about the fact that that's... a lot of work needs to be done before you get to a stage that the peace process that is put on the table is act- actually implementable. So track mm-hmm. two and track three, uh, all the tracks, are really important in ensuring that track one is effective and sustainable.
1: I think generally this region, Mediterranean region, uh, loves uh, strong leaders, right? <laughs> so uh, strong leaders are necessary. <laughs> strong leaders are necessary, but not sufficient for peace. Exactly. So uh, if they say like peace is 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 what what we should have. Uh, followers follow, mm. <laughs> but what do you do when there is not such strong uh, will uh, for peace? And that's why you need track two. Track uh, two is like the lo- locomotive. Uh, is what's the word? Uh, locomotive. Locomotive.
0: <laughs> yes, locomotive.
1: Yes, for uh, for for peace, right? They they had to uh, run this wheel all the time and that's why i believe more on this level because track two is more about politics and politics is uh, is about getting the most right whereas for me track two is more about the people their lives and without the support of the people what's the point of having peace yes right so uh people can i mean leaders can shake hands but if they are not supported Uh, How do you uh, do the peace work? Uh, So uh, my main work was about uh, changing negative uh, attitudes, behaviors and emotions through the civic work. But unfortunately, again, in Turkey, most of the civil society work focuses on, you know, uh, uh, how do we affect policies? It's more about like affecting track one rather than uh,
0: doing uh, the work at civil society level.
1: Yeah, or grassroots level or so. Uh, So uh, for me, one of the reasons why the peace process failed in Turkey was because everybody was focused on track one. There were very few examples of track two. Uh, And that's why uh, when our Turkish antenna uh, was established, I I, uh, said, you know, let's focus on track two. We also have people who are post track one, like, Uh, people working in political parties. So, of course, we also aim uh, attitude change Mm -hmm. at track one level through these people. But we also want them to influence their communities by changing, uh, uh, especially uh, changing uh, attitudes and uh, bringing new information from what is perceived to be the other side so what you're saying
0: is that you work at the track 2 level which are the grassroots but you want you bring in other people that do have access to track 1 because that's you need to make that link
1: well the, the, the we are, we are something around 20 we're around 20 something i i'm not sure 21 22 or so some of these people are from civil society. some of this these people i'm mean, actually are all of these people are from civil society, but some also have uh, political positions. Okay. Uh, so they 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 also go and report to their political parties. Not not what we talk, but the things that they learn.
0: Okay. Okay. So they wear two hats. They wear the hat of civil society. Yes. Okay. No, I agree. I think the biggest the biggest thing we need to work on. As women peacebuilders and as peacebuilders generally is to ensure that there is the link with the other side. Mm-hmm. It's not just the the, mean, the policy level; it's who you're making the policies for. So to make sure they exactly. they match.
1: And uh, I don't know what there might be other examples, but I believe Turkey is one of the rare examples where you are, where you have multiple axes of conflicts too. So talking about Kurdish issue also necessitates talking about headscarf issue uh the the discrimination alavi people faces uh now Syrian Turkish uh, tension I mean the list can go uh, I don't know, um for uh how long but you know uh many times when we start talking about peace in Turkey we have to talk about all these dimensions of social
0: tension in Turkey. And that's what we are trying to do too. So you're trying to broaden out what peace actually means or includes? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Tell me, yes. uh, how easy is it to bring groups together when you have a, a question like, the Kurd issue is quite an inflammatory issue. Okay. How do you bring people mm-hmm. together to actually listen and listen to the other side?
1: Uh, I learned from uh, other uh, places and other places, conflict resolution literature tell us that you start from the middle. All the people in our group, I would say, are middle grounders. Okay. Uh, So they they already have an open mind. They already know the other side. Uh, So these people uh, uh, say, one is close to more to the uh, uh, to government party, uh, but also can listen to the opposition party members. So these, this 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 uh, this is how we start, and then you expand. Okay. Uh, we at the moment we don't want to expand because uh, this is an ideal side, but hopefully we 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 want to have an effect on other groups. That's why we also do trainings at okay. local level. Uh, Mediterranean Women Mediators Network uh, also provided us funding to do tra- trainings uh, with uh, local women uh, leaders. And we chose especially uh, more multicultural local settings, like where Assyrians, Arabs, Arab Turks, a Turkish citizens. Sorry, what sure, training? What uh, training
0: did you give them in mediation or in something else?
1: Uh, conflict resolution, mediation, and gender. Okay. So we started with uh, conflict resolution basic skills and taught the mediation too, but we always have an emphasis on gender too. Okay. Uh, so uh, we provided those trainings in three cities. Uh, where uh, we believed uh, have uh, uh, multicultural settings, and uh, yeah, it's again for me trainings are learning uh, spaces too, the the opportunities for learning too, and uh, every time I teach, especially to uh, people with different ethnic, political. Uh, sectarian cultural you know mm. backgrounds i learned from them too Absolutely. And, and, and in every part of turkey you have different conflicts defined differently on these cultural lines uh but it it's very rewarding like uh, in one of the uh, meetings uh, uh in one of the trainings that we provided uh it was two and a half days there was this woman who introduced herself as a Powerful woman entrepreneur <laughs> with more mm, you know uh sometimes more maleish offensive behavior that's how she presented herself you know to be strong you have this and she said i sometimes sound offensive to people, and we taught her uh nonviolent communications uh, uh skills files, mm. and first skills and she first uh reacted uh saying that you know it sounds like i'm uh, acting in a movie you know it's not me <laughs> if i i'd say it this way my friends would be like what's happened to you <laughs> are you okay type of it, uh reaction but um, after the uh, training uh, she went to another conference and, and another participant was there and she witnessed it by herself the woman uh, said at the beginning uh, you know I'm very excited and people after her talk, which was influential, they reached out to her and asked her, like, we never saw you this way. You were great <laughs> and you were excited. Why was it so? And she said, it's because I took this training, which affected me. And I think it's, it's better now. I'm better now to reach out to people and make myself understandable. Well, so must- you see the rewards right mm-hmm. away.
0: That must be so rewarding to get someone that kind of feedback back.
1: But I yes, also, I is, also, I also think was because I've nice. also
0: done that non-violent communication and I actually also found it life-changing. I found it life-changing that you could actually get the same result in a softer way. And in the end, you were also happier. You, you used less energy.
1: That's true. I mean, it's hard to do the switch because… Oh, it, takes it, sounds... it takes time. Yes. It takes
0: time. It takes practice.
1: It is. And it, it, it and everybody at first gives gave that reaction that, like, it doesn't sound me. But we told her, like, it doesn't exactly be this way. You don't have to paraphrase it this way, but you find your own way of saying it. And I think peace is that way, too. Like, we find our way of expressing it.
0: Absolutely. Tell me how, what do you do about language? Because there is there one language in Turkey? Aren't there dialects? Or aren't they different languages? I mean, Kurdish is another language, is it not?
1: It is, uh, but uh, like in any ethnic uh, or multi-ethnic society, minorities speak two language, and the majority is only one. So everybody commun- communicates in uh, in uh, Turkish. But uh, these uh, meetings uh, give us the opportunity to celebrate that uh, mm. diversity. And uh, in one of our meetings, uh, uh, we ask uh, a friend, uh, our members, uh, to sing a Kurdish song. You know, that's how you celebrate it. We don't know it. We sometimes ask, how do you say it in that way, mm-hmm. type of... Uh, <laughs> uh, but
0: we we don't speak it, I mean. No, no, I agree uh, with you. It's something, as a superior, it's something that we face in a lot of our meetings that Not everyone speaks, we don't have a majority, uh, a clear majority. So, not everyone speaks Greek and not everyone speaks Turkish. So, a lot of the time you end up speaking English and not everyone has the Mm -hmm. same fluency in English. So, a lot of things get lost in translation. But I agree with you that you have to learn to celebrate, I mean, learning a few words in the other language or hearing a song in the other language. And ultimately, you find that in a lot of this, there are similarities. It might be a slightly different slant, but there are similarities. I think that's where, that's another subliminal thing
1: that Mm -hmm. it comes through.
0: Okay, um, how easy is it to get women to come to the meetings? Because patriarchy, like in most countries, is rampant in
1: Turkey. Mm -hmm. Well, these women are, uh, most of them are leaders. So, I mean, uh, we don't have any difficulty at all. Uh, They're already activists. they Most of them work on uh, gender issues in Turkey. Uh, so there is uh, no difficulty in bringing them. The only difficulty we have is Turkey is a big country. Mm. And uh, we have um, representatives in our members uh, from Istanbul, Ankara and Diyarbakır. Yes. And without funding, we cannot have meetings because we have to travel them. Or to Istanbul and Ankara so far because Diyarbakir has uh, less members than Istanbul and Ankara, most of them in Istanbul. And it, mo- it might be because of me, because I'm from Istanbul, but most of the work, civil society work, is also concentrated in Istanbul, and population-wide is the biggest uh, city. Uh, so we're very thankful for uh, Med- Mediterranean Women Mediators Network to provide that funding. And funding is also problematic in such highly polarized societies. Absolutely. Too. We, would, we don't want to get funding from the government or any political party backed civil society. Uh, getting funding from outside right now is also a problem. Not a good yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah. It's only uh, maybe training women mediators networks funding that uh, we find very uh, trustable because we are a member of the network.
0: So you share the same principles, the same concern. Now I agree with you, this question of funding is a really big issue in most women's organizations because firstly, it's limited. And secondly, you've got to make sure that the source shares the same values as you and there isn't a clash. You cannot be at a later stage accused of doing something or supporting something that goes against what you're working for. So funding is a big issue. But I'm, I am I really think we need to find a way to promote the second track, mediation, conversation, because I think it's only if it starts changing at that level and it becomes stronger that we actually have any chance of firstly influencing the first track and secondly of having a world that we all have the one thing that I think is all-encompassing, a life that is dignified.
1: Mm-hmm. And I should also thank uh, European Union too. I think uh, some of us in the Mediterranean region are lucky to be able to get funding from uh, European mm. Union. too. So European Union has funds to support civil society and our original, before even uh, joining uh, Mediterranean Women Mediators Network, uh, we got some funding from EU to provide civil society uh, uh, support, uh, financial support and uh the uh, the people there actually ask us to also publish uh, our uh uh, uh launch, launch of our uh conference too because uh there there are very few sources on uh peace building and mediation in turkish i don't know about uh, greek but uh you know we need also these this information resources. to go at
0: yes Now, I actually think that's another thing that I feel the Mediterranean network will bring is that we will now be able to have all the resources in a similar place and Mm -hmm. also give access that it might be available in English. And it's an opportunity to perhaps translate it into Greek, Turkish, Algerian or whatever other language needs because most of the resources are in English. Mm -hmm. That's true. And And,
1: again... Again, only privileged group of people can access it. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. So I think we need to. I like the fact that you brought up this thing of we need to question our privilege in a positive way, not in a negative way, because it mm-hmm. gave us a lot of advantages. I believe it gave me the advantage of having parents that wanted the best for me, which mm-hmm. means also gave me critical thinking. They wanted me to fly, wherever it took me. <laughs> wherever <laughs> it took me. So we have to. Um, Use our privilege in a way that's positive.
1: That's true. That's true.
0: Without that questioning, a, yes.
1: questioning is is what brings us to here. Mm. I think. Is there any other story
0: you want to tell us before we close this interview?
1: Uh, no. Uh, I mean, I learn a lot from you too. It's not about uh, meeting my uh, my friends in Turkey, but also meeting my friends in the network always uh, provides me. This questioning, you know, the things that I learned from others. So uh, every time mm, we meet, I want to hear stories so that I'll be motivated <laughs> to uh, do things in Turkey too. I mean, women, we have to acknowledge that women's gatherings are different than uh, uh, homogeneous or, you know, mm, Uh, men's meeting. So uh, we have to take this back as homework and uh, we have to find ways to continue taking this and implementing in our countries. Uh, And that's why I thank uh, the Mediterranean Women Mediators Network to providing us this opportunity of learning from each other. But I think this the fact that women's meetings tend to be different
0: is the fact that we are always curious about the stories of others. So we will give the opportunity for someone to speak and we will listen. I love stories. I will all, I'm will. always well known for the one that asks the diary questions, but I'm asking because I'm actually interested to know. It's not out of curiosity, a bad curiosity. So I think this, and from, lear, like said, from learning about their stories, you actually bring out techniques. You bring out different perceptions. You bring up different approaches. So it's not a story in the child's story way of things. It's a story in a way of bringing the different dimensions to everything that can happen. And we all see that the way peace building is happening, if they change dimension or change perception or change step one step to the left or to the right, things might be different and they might be better. So there is great value in storytelling.
1: I totally agree. That's what I've been working on academically too. And uh, it's not a, but not only storytelling, but listening too. You know, yes. Uh one one thing that I'm uh academically thinking at the moment is listening styles. You now what prevents us hear not hearing uh, the real value of uh, somebody else's story.
0: Like I said, uh, this active learn active listening. Mm-hmm. It's got to be really really listening. Not necessarily to the words, but to what's not being said perhaps as well.
1: That's true.
0: Okay. I think that's a lovely note to end this interview on. Um, teşekkür ederim for, for coming on the show, for coming onto this podcast with me. And look forward Thank to you. hearing more stories from you.
1: Me too, and I'm looking forward to meeting you when this uh, corona days are over too. Me I miss too. you
0: all. Also, I think there's a lot to be said for technology, but nothing can replace sitting around for a, with a glass of wine or a cup of coffee. And a real hug. And a real <laughs> hug. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Betulchim, and we will speak soon.
1: Thank you, Magda
0: <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode of Her Stories... Please leave comments, suggestions and reviews and share with anyone you feel may find this equally interesting. A big thank you to our sponsor, UN Women, and see you on the next episode.